Amen. What a privilege it is to be at home tonight. And um, I'm going I'm going to do a couple of things a little different this evening. Um, I promise I won't keep you long. I do have something I think I need to say. And I want to preach to you from my heart and my spirit tonight. But I, I would like to ask every person in this church who has had the baptism of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues for 50 years, would you please stand? Amen. Praise God. Now, this is the killer. Y'all are going to get me for this, but I would like for all these beautiful young ladies right here to just move back to the next row right there. And I want all of you who have had the Holy Ghost 50 years to come and sit right here on the front row of this church. Amen. I want you to just move right over here. Uh, Sister Bingham, don't get rebellious. Just because you're my mom doesn't mean I won't. Amen. <laughs> Boy, I bowed up there, didn't I? And uh, Brother Caleb sitting in the back said he'll let me know when it's time to quit preaching tonight. So when I stop, Brother Caleb's doing this, y'all will know that he's got the stopwatch going. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to, uh, to be that long, but I do have something that I'd like to say. And we have all of these Bible school students here and scholars that uh, I love so dearly that are a part of this church. Uh, I remember in those young wooing days of the Holy Ghost when I came to this church and laid in the altar and didn't know where to go or how to do or what to say or how to get started. I knew I, I longed to do godly things, but it was as though uh, they were so far away from where I was. I longed for that. I can remember uh, praying through the nights many times at the altar of this church. Longing for God some way, if there's any way that you could ever use me, I would like to be used. You see, I was raised in the shadow of giants. My grandfather Bingham preached revivals. He preached one revival in Corinth, Mississippi. And there were 300 people that were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ in one revival. My dad has preached in over 50 countries of the world. And I, I knew that I would never be as great as they were. But I wanted God some way to smile on me. Not that I wanted the limelight, nor that I sought to be on the front page or the marquee. But what I did seek was a move of God. I longed for that. I wanted that. 
I don't stand here to brag before you, but there were days of fasting and seeking God, longing, God, if there's anything that I can do. And just as I thought I had plotted out my future, God chose an alternate road for me to take. I didn't see that coming, but when God opens a door, feel free to allow His guiding hand to lead you in that direction. Amen. Amen. Would you just open your heart for a moment right now? Can we lift our hands and entertain the presence of the Lord that is so sweet in this house right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you and love you and praise you. Oh, Jesus. God, bring about a work in this place tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I love you, Holy Redeemer. This evening, I'm going to take a very personal moment uh, to speak with you about my mother. It was 66 years ago yesterday that my mother became my mother. And at the simple, thank you brother Jeff, at the simple age of 15, my mom lost her identity as to who she was. She was the daughter of a a preacher. And she married my dad at age 15. And I was born a year and seven days later. I give honor tonight to the world's greatest mother. Who cared. Sometimes that wasn't easy. I went to the first grade at Hollis Powell in Dyersburg. That was after my sister was born when my dad pastored in Hillsboro, Illinois. Then we moved to Dyersburg and I started the first grade. Halfway through the first grade, we moved to Urania, Louisiana, that mighty metropolis of 600 people. And we stayed there for I was in the third grade and we moved to Gina, Louisiana and I finished out the third grade and went fourth and fifth grade. Then in 1965 my dad moved to Terre Haute, Indiana, pastored there for 13 months and then he came to Anderson, Indiana. And so, it, you know, we moved a lot. We uh, changed addresses and phone numbers regularly when I was young and uh, I don't ever remember my mother questioning my dad's calling I don't ever remember my mom saying I don't want to go to that little dinky church I don't want to pastor there I, I, I want to I want to go home I want to go live close to my family I don't think I ever remember that ever happening as a youngster. But I tell you what I do remember. I remember when my dad was traveling across the globe 
preaching in foreign countries. I remember my mom cooking lunch, breakfast, lunch, dinner, supper, ever how you calculate all that. We, uh, she wouldn't eat. She would fix our meals, set them in front of us and sit at the table and talk to us while my dad was out of the country on mission trips. I remember my mom regularly being given to the word of God. And in the summertime, my dad would often preach three or four camp meetings a year. And uh, we would travel to Alabama one week and preach the camp, come home for the weekend service and travel back to Mississippi and preach the camp and come home for the weekend service and travel to Louisiana and preach the next week. I'm talking about back to back to back. And uh, my mom was faithful. She never said, I'm too tired to go. She never said, I, I'm not going to do this. She packed our stuff and we went because dad had a ministry. We loved serving the Lord. Amen. I want to say thank you to my mom for all of those wonderful years of serving God as a subordinate. Now, I don't want you folks sending me a bunch of hate mail about women's rights. I understand where that is. But my mom never once bowed up to my dad saying, well, what about my career? What, what about me? Why can't I do what I want to do? Why do you have to always be the one? My mom walked in the fear of God and in the love of the kingdom and gave of herself. And I want to say tonight, Mom, you have been a wonderful example, not only to our family, but to this church. And I want you to know that I appreciate that. And thank you. Thank you very much. Amen. And you may be seated. I can truly say tonight that I've been blessed to walk in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. I... I'm going to preach a little bit from Romans chapter 12. I'm going to preach a little bit from Hebrews chapter 12. But do you know we are literally without excuse today. You don't have an excuse that's good enough to not live for God. Whatever seems to be the anchor that holds you back is not good enough. Amen. Now this evening I'm going to just lay out a little plot plan of eschatology here and uh, if you don't agree with that, that's okay. You have a right to be wrong. I just wanted to share this with you kind of how I see it. Now, I've studied Larkin, I've studied Haywood, and uh, Brother Baxter, and uh, I appreciate their thoughts, 
And some things I agree with they say and some things I don't. So I'm going to give you the license this evening to do the same. If you don't agree with me, please don't get up and walk out. Just put your earbuds in and make everybody think you're still with me for a little while, okay? But in truth, I do understand that there's going to be a season of time that God is going to allow this earth to remain in this this concept that we have of the church but there's coming a day when the Lord's coming back and he's coming back after a church that hath made itself ready it's going to be without spot or blemish or any such thing now occasionally I hear somebody preach and they talk about the church and it's like this old man decrepit thing that's just, it's going to barely get a finger hold on the threshold of heaven at the last minute before they draw their last breath. And it's going to be the most pathetic sight you've ever seen. I don't believe that. Amen. I believe God's going to have a church that's going to live through seven years of tribulation with the authority and power of God on their life. Amen. When that seven years of tribulation is done. And whatever span of that. Pre, post, mid. Uh, ever how you see the church going away. There's going to be a time that the church is going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. And there we're going to experience the judgment seat of Christ. It's going to be a marvelous time. The Lord will return to this earth and for a thousand years there will be peace upon the earth. At the end of that thousand years the devil's going to be loosed for a season. And when he's loosed the Lord is going again through his powerful mighty acts. He's going to bring that church of his to a glorious day of judgment. The Bible said all men, both small and great, are going to stand before the Lord. Kings and czars and paupers and uh, people who are uh, mighty and powerful and political and men who have educations and men who are illiterate will come and stand before God. And one by one, men will stand before God at the great white throne judgment. And the Bible says they're going to give an account for the deeds done in their body. Amen. Now, a lot of folks don't like to talk about deeds. We're not saved uh, by works or deeds. But the scripture said we were going to be judged by the deeds done in our body. On that great judgment day, when God has placed uh, the sainted of God, those who have gone through the grave and those that were caught up together to meet them in the air and have uh, rejoiced around the throne of God and witnessed the four and twenty elders as they uh, magnified the Lord and saw cherubims and seraphims and all of those heavenly things that are 
powerful and amazing to us. Oh, what a great time that's going to be. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, heaven's going to be worth going to. It don't matter how much it costs you. Pay the price and stand up and live for God. And let God do a work in your life. Amen. Now, here's my point this evening. The scripture says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Amen. I will probably be scolded after church on the way home. I may ride in a different vehicle. But I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get hammered tonight. But I'm getting ready for it. I'm tough and I am. Right here, we got 550 years of living for God. Right here. Count our pastor. 600 years. Years of living for God. Praise God. You know what? These pretty folks right here, every time they've come to church, they came, it was like tiptoeing through the tulips. It was like dancing on clouds. It was like amazing and wonderful. From the time they got the Holy Ghost... They didn't have any more problems. They just came to church and it has been the most amazing thing. How many believe that? Don't put your hand up. (laughs) Did you know sitting right here in this sanctuary tonight, we also have a great cloud of witnesses. I don't have to go back to Abraham and Noah and all of those men. In the previous chapter. But I can come to this church and look around and I see folks that have faced the bitterness of this world. Amen. I've known them who have, well all of these that are here tonight have lost their companion. On that great judgment day there's going to be somebody step out and say, Lord, I would have lived for you. But my companion, they passed away and I, I, just, I just couldn't live for God because I lost my companion. God's going to look at that great cloud of witnesses. I, wanna, I love this right here. Please forgive me for a second. John said, I saw a number that no man could number. Now in the previous chapter, he was talking about 10,000 times 10,000. He was talking about a hundred million, so he could count to a hundred million. But when he saw that great cloud of witnesses that were around the throne of God, he said, there was a number that no man could number. The number was greater. I want to tell you, somebody's going to heaven. Somebody's going to make it all the way. Somebody's going to walk on streets of gold. It might as well be you. Get ready and let God do that for you. What a number. No man could number them. Boy, to hear some folks tell it, there's just going to be a measly little group. Heaven's going to be sparsely populated. It's not what John said. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. 700 years later, 
John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I began to see the things of that world. It wasn't just 12 or 15 that were saved. It was a number that no man could number. The first part of that chapter, he's talking about 144,000. There was 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes that were represented there. Uh, That's a lot of people. That's uh, twice or three times as big as our whole city. But when it come to those that had been washed in the blood and those that had put on white garments that had had the sin stains removed from their robes, they stood in the council before the Lord. And when the day, the mighty day of judgment came, God had a cloud of witnesses that marched out to say it could be done in 2020. God made a way. Somebody will walk to the front of the audience of one. You know, he knows the desires of your heart. He knows your intents and your thoughts. He knows you. You know what I'm going to confess tonight. Sister Lexi sitting right over here. She's been a part of our church since she was about four Boy, you talking about messing me up. She could walk by and flash them little eyes, hold out a rock and say, Pastor, I brought this rock to church to sell to you. She got it out of my yard. I bought rocks. I just bat them little eyes and carry on and I'm like wasted It's the only woman in our church right there that my wife was ever jealous of. (laughs) She was 12 and asked me to take her to ice cream. And I quit what I was doing, went out to her house and picked her up. I thought she wanted some pastoral counseling or nothing or something. I don't know what she wanted. We went to Kaleidoscope, sat down, talked a little bit. And I said, Lexi, did you have something you wanted to talk about? She said, no, sir, I just wanted some ice cream. So I took her home. I got home and my wife said, now let me get this straight. I got that list on the refrigerator of 25 things that's been over there for months. We hadn't got them done. Lexi calls and says, you want to go get ice cream? You drop everything. Y'all catch the picture. I'm just telling you that. But you know what? You're not going to be able to goo-goo eyes with God. You're not going to be able to fool God on that day and say, well, God, you know, really the problem was and throw up your excuse for thou art inexcusable, old man. God knows the desires of your heart. He knows the intents and the thought. All of your excuses are going to fall flat on their face in the presence of the Lord. We're going to stand before him. Somebody's going to come and say, you know what? I I would have lived for you, Lord. I I I made a start, but you know, in the middle of my relationship, I had a child. 
that died. And I just never could get a grip on it again. I, I walked away. And God's going to look in that great cloud of witnesses. Washed in white. And he's going to say, I need somebody who lost a child to come and be a testimony against this one that chose to walk away. For my grace was sufficient for this one. It would have also been sufficient for that one. There will be someone who comes out and says, Lord, I, I did just fine in my relationship. I, I, I'm glad I received the Holy Ghost. I'm glad I was baptized. But I got jilted by my boyfriend. And I just, I just never could straighten out. I was embarrassed to go back to church with him. And, and I decided I'd just drop out of church for a little while. And I want to tell you something. You better listen to me. The devil don't need 90 years to get your life a wreck. He can never keep you away from church just a little while. He'll tear down everything you've ever worked for. And Lord, I, 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 just, couldn't, I just couldn't go back and face those people. The Lord's going to look in that great heavenly cloud of witnesses. And he's going to say, I need somebody to come down here that dedicated their life to me that was never married. Someone that chose to walk in righteousness. That getting married was on the back burner. If it happens, it happens. If God brings it. But if God don't bring it, that's okay. I've still got a, a whole kingdom of work that needs to be done. And I'm going to dedicate my life to this and I'm going to honor God with this and I'm going to serve Him to the depths of my soul whether I'm ever married or not. And that's not just a few. There's been a lot that have given their entire life. Amen. Praise God. You know what? I think it's time to pray. I want you to stand with me right now. I want us right where you are. I just want you to stand and I want you to lift your heart and your voice unto the Lord right now. I'm telling you, God is able to keep that which is committed unto Him. God is able to guide you and strengthen you and keep you upright. Oh, Father. We praise you and we love you right now. God, we are so thankful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, in Jesus' name, praise God. Uh, Pastor, this won't take but just a moment. I want you to go stand right down here in front of all of these lovely ladies. And we're, we're just going to kind of do a little prayer line thing here. And if you have a need that you think is so big, Pastor, if you'll just step a little closer right over there. I, I just want you to start whenever you feel like it's time to pray. 
I just want you to come and I want you to let Sister Dougalby lay her hands on you. Sister Bingham lay her hands on you. And Sister Darla and Pastor. And I, I want you to come from this side. Let's, if you're over here and want to come, come around this way and come through the line. And we're just going to believe the Lord. And as a church family right now, we've got testimonies of every sin that's ever been committed. Has been committed by someone sitting in this church right now. But they have been washed. They have been redeemed. And if God is no respecter of persons, He is as able to forgive you of your sin as He was able to forgive them of the sin when they committed it. Now I want this church to love the Lord. And if you want to come walk through this line right now, I want you to let God do something to touch your heart and stir you in Jesus' name. Come on, church family. I want you to lift your heart and your hands unto the Lord. And I want you to begin to lean on Him right now. I want you to begin to honor the Lord right now. I want you to surrender unto Him right now. Hallelujah. I think there's somebody that needs to walk through this prayer group right now. I think there's somebody that needs to step up and say, if God has kept these people for 50 years, God's able to keep you for a lifetime. Amen. I believe He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Praise God. You want some musicians? Come. Father, we trust you right now. My faith and my hope is in you. My desire is in you, Father. I love you more than I love this world. I love you more than anything. You're the one I seek after. You're the one I long for. My heart seeks for those heavenly things that you've provided. You've been looking for a ministry. I want you to come through this line right now. You don't know how it's going to be done, but God can bring it to fruition through the power and the authority of His eternal Word. In Jesus' name, right now, Savior, I thank You for the blood of Calvary that can cover a multitude of sin. I thank You, God, for the blood that can wash our mind. I thank You for the blood that can shield us from fear. I thank you for your mighty acts. God, I praise you right now. That's right. The Lord's here to do a mighty thing tonight. He's waiting on your heart. Why don't you offer it to him? Sing unto the Lord.